Braised in the Drippings of Eternally Bored Productions, the juiciest podcast by horror fans, for horror fans, and about horror fans. Welcome back to another episode of Sheebie-Jeebies. I am your host, Sam Carlson, and I have been MIA for a while. So on that note, we have to do a little bit of uh, house cleaning at the top of this uh, show. So anybody that is noticing my lack of posts on social media the last probably four to six weeks... Uh, long story short, my mom got evicted from her trailer due to non-payment of rent back in April. And since about the middle of April, she's been living in a hotel and it's been kind of a, a living nightmare. So me and my uh, fiance, tall Chris, we'll get to that as well. We've been trying to get her to move in with us since we have a spare bedroom and it's kind of been like hostage, hostage negotiations. <laughs> Uh, she was supposed to be out of her hotel room by last Saturday when we went over there and we were going to go and take her over to our place and she was going to go and uh, put up the cats at Humane Society. And unfortunately, I didn't realize I didn't do intake on the weekends, but it didn't matter because she kind of reneged on everything. And she said that she can't surrender her cats because she needs them for her PTSD. And I understand having a service animal but these aren't really, these aren't service animals per se. These are, are just cats that aren't especially uh, well adjusted to the surrounding, to, to their surroundings. Uh, they hide 90% of the time that I go over there. Uh, but I, I can assume that they're also not used to me. But um, so she was just kind of, you know, she was just at an impasse. She wasn't going to make a decision. So basically what we had to do was we had to institute a, a nuclear option. Uh, Chris and I split another week of uh, stay at the hotel, but because of that, we said that she can't have any contact with us unless it comes to the point where she's ready to give up the cats and move in. So I haven't heard from her since then. Surprise, surprise. And that's kind of what's happening there. Now, the happy news is that, as I mentioned, my fiance, Tall Chris, who you've heard on the show many times, uh, <laughs> we're really bad at hiding our relationship on social media, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but we went to Texas Frightmare Weekend at the beginning of May, and he had arranged beforehand to do a uh, photo op with Robert England and Heather Langenkamp from A Nightmare on Elm Street, which is my favorite movie. And they are two of my very favorite actors, of course. And I didn't realize that he was going to propose during the photo op. He said he bought two uh, picture packages by mistake instead of just the one. So he said, well, we'll have an extra pose. And I was like, okay, cool. So we get up there, we take the first picture and then I'm facing the camera. Chris is behind me because he's the tallest motherfucker on the face of the planet. And, you know, he just says, Sam. And I turn around and look at him and he's down on one knee with this beautiful ring. And I could not speak. And I was just like, yes, 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 yes. So uh, Robert England actually said, hey, you know, let, let's get another, let's get a third picture in here. So now our engagement photos are with Robert England, Heather Langenkamp, and Heather Langenkamp looks like she's pretty much just like bawling in the last one, which is very sweet. Uh, so that was extremely exciting. And now I'm starting to wedding plan. So by the early months of next year, I will be a married woman. And that's crazy to think about. Man, I thought nobody was ever going to take this off the market. About time. <laughs> anyway, 
So it, the last few weeks have been uh, lots of uh, lots of ups and downs. Most, you know, but mostly ups now that you know I've got, I, you know, I'm getting to marry the love of my life, this guy who is my best friend, and it, you know, I can't imagine wanting to be with anybody else more until I'm dead. So that's very exciting. The mom stuff sucks, but you know everything else is going well. But uh, on to today's show. And we're doing Hannibal from 2001. Uh, originally, we wanted to put this out for February for Love Bites or Love Hurts, whatever I was doing. I think I'm done with the theme months. Uh, but I'm glad that I waited because we have a special guest, my friend and awesomely talented and competent co-worker, Scott Mogi. And I have to ask, like, so I know you're a painter. Yep. Do you do anything else? Um, creative? Well, as I started off as a graphic designer, well, should say my seduction into art came from more 3D modeling and, mm -hmm. you know, going from there, bringing, <clears throat> being taken back into, you know, art per se, kicking and screaming. But uh, I did, I do graphic design. I do 3D modeling, which is, I think, what I do the best. Somewhat technical drawings, mm -hmm. um, and right now painting. In fact, I'm working on a painting of a 3D model I made in 2004, maybe 2003. Mm -hmm. Then I did a redrawing of in 2017. Okay. And now I'm painting it. Was that the one that you just showed me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What is that ex exactly? Explain for the audience since we're not well, a visual podcast. The, a, actually, it kind of funny, it all ties together with this. Mm -hmm. So while living, I lived in Italy for, a, uh, Florence, Italy for a semester. I grew to love architecture. Okay. So... I thought, how interesting would it be? Because I told you a long time ago about that character I developed in high school, mm -hmm. who is 10,000 years old. Mm -hmm. If he actually built a mausoleum for friends he knew, people he knew, places he knew in their architectural style. Mm -hmm. So what it is, is a pre-Celtic burial bur uh, burrow that is surrounded by a pool a circular pool of water surrounded by a stonehenge mm -hmm. and above it is a oculus uh, like the pantheon's uh, dome oculus mm -hmm. so you'd have this light that would f you know shine down on this this island with uh, oak tree going up with the stone table and the cave entrance to the uh, burrow itself. That sounds like something I would see in a really well-produced video game. Like very Assassin's Creed for some reason. I don't know. Mist inspired me. Okay. Well, I was kind of close. That somewhat count. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it, 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 but it has always been a work in progress because since architecture is not my vocation, I have to reinvent the wheel by reinventing the wheel. Yeah. 
Well, it happens. Um, but I hear that you have a piece in New York right now. Manhattan? Is that yeah, right? Uh, I believe it's Manhattan. Um, and what piece the, is this? This is actually a piece that... Um, it's an ironic type piece. Uh, it's a Christian art poster mm-hmm. uh, describing the glory of, you know, if known, it, God's glory through nature. Is that the the one of the leaf? Yeah. Okay. It's the aspen leaf. Okay. I do Everything remember that you one. wanted to know about an aspen inside an aspen leaf. That was, I really, I really like that piece. It, it, it's subtle. It says everything you want to know about God, but at the same time, it's not overtly God in your face. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a good way to think about it because, I mean, just being in nature is a way to feel God's presence. And Mm -hmm. I say that not as a Christian, but I say, you know, God and the idea of having like an idea of a higher power. But I think most people can feel that through nature's beauty. So... That's cool. I hope that's. I hope that one sells. So do I. I it's it, right now. It, it's in. I never thought I would be in showing in New York, and that it, it's kind of one of those serendipitous moments of I'm actually being shown in New York, where you know. And you're here. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you, work. <laughs> yep. But I. It, it's the you know. The people who've always dogged me, saying, "You'll know, you'll never be an artist. You'll never be anything better than a publishing, you know, art, you know, a printer, mm-hmm. graphic designer. You know, working for a, a printer and putting other people's work up to be printed. To being, it's funny. The director of the studio that um, my studio partner." I think he's been on here before, John DeLeon. Yep, from the hand. Y'all remember that? <clears throat> that was a drunk podcast. He he forced me to put pieces up, and he yelled at me to, you will submit this one. Okay. Uh, you, you told me what I'm doing. I'll do it. But he had the belief in me that says, you are fantastic. You, this is something that has to be seen. John is a very good... Uh very good in encouraging the natural talents of people or even talents that they work hard on because I know that for him, I, I know that talent isn't really innate. It takes work also. You have to develop it. You can have some sort of innate talent, but it really takes, you know, you really have to kind of uh, work to develop it. So, you know, and I, you know, I, I do agree with that because there are some things that, you know, you lose it if you don't use it. Uh, it feels weird actually being back in a podcasting chair because <laughs> I've put out a lot of episodes and I'm like, oh God, I hope I remember how to do this. It's been like a month. Oh shit. So on that note, as far as Hannibal goes, how did you get introduced to this movie? Was it something you saw in the theater? Well, I, I saw, I want to say I didn't get into Science of Lambs until college, mm-hmm. but the um, Anthony Hopkins has always been somewhat of a of a of an actor I liked. I uh, loved his work in Dracula. I loved, you know, he just it's like Christopher Walken's. He is <laughs> yes. He ha- he is, he he's horror, but he's horror in a, in a sense that you just you he's seductive. Yeah, and. 
it's, it's interesting because while I was getting ready for to go to Florence, uh, well, my school, let me actually start. My school owns a villa outside of Tuscan, or of Florence, in the hills of Tuscany, in the town of Scandici, mm-hmm. which we'll go into that in just a little bit. But, you know, when I went and watched, because they were filming uh, Hannibal a year before I went there, so I went into into you know, to the school, and the director was taking us to Rome. We we're on our way over to the Villa Borghese, and he stops and tells us a story about a couple of classes before, who actually ran into Anthony Hopkins on the street of Rome, <laughs> and this is kind of the funny thing is. He was trying to find the Hard Rock Cafe in Rome. Uh, you know, um, I feel like you could go a lot of places that are not the Hard Rock Cafe, but you know what? I guess if you're Anthony Hopkins, you do what you want. Exactly. And so he... I hope he got a t-shirt. I don't know. But uh, he uh, stopped this group of Americans and said, hey, I need... I, I'm, I'm kind of lost. I'm looking for... The, uh, the Hard Rock Cafe. And, of course, it actually happens to be on the way to the Ville Borghese. Mm-hmm. So they tell him, oh, yeah, you're almost there, just, you know, a couple more blocks up, and it'll be there. And he's like, oh, okay, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're going off to see, uh, to go to the Ville Borghese. And I don't know if, uh, for your, your view, your listeners, in the Ville Borghese, you have such works by, uh, Caravaggio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernini Bernini's uh, Rape of Persephone's where uh, Hades is taking her down into the underworld Why does it have to be a rape? I she I, like I feel I like Hades gets kind of a bad rap He really did and uh, that's, a, that's a topic for another story. I mean Lita and the Swan that's a different story. Uh, yes but she was promised to him by Zeus. He just Hooker, um, but uh, Zeus. Uh. Then you have my favorite piece by him, uh, Apollo and Daphne, oh. where carved in stone is Daphne transforming into the laurel tree as Apollo is reaching out to her, and just the 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 it's hard to put into words just the way the smoothness of the stone and the roughness of the bark joining at the same time and even the skin being the human body's anatomy underneath the bark as it you know about two inches of you know play that's still the bark is wrapping around her her waist hmm. and this is sculpture yes okay beautiful so Anthony Hopkins goes to the uh, Hard Rock Cafe. The students go to the Villa Borghese. Mm-hmm. As the students are coming back from the Villa Borghese, he is he spies them, sends the waiter out to them, and says, "Anthony Hopkins wants you to come inside and 
who says no to Anthony Hopkins? Nobody. So he then interrogates the students on what they saw, what they learned, what they thought about the pieces, what inspired them, how it inspired them. And to me, that sums up not only Hannibal Lecter. I so agree with but that. Anthony Hopkins. I mean, you cannot describe the two without. Yeah, I, you know, obviously. And I feel like Anthony Hopkins isn't that removed from Hannibal Lecter, except for the, the sociopathic and, and homicidal tendencies. But, like, he does everything very politely, and he's very classy and well-read. Yeah. And much like Hannibal. And that, and that's the thing, is when you look into Hannibal's character, and this is where the uh, retconning of Hannibal, I, I think, is kind of dangerous, because we've gone ahead and humanized him too much. Are we talking retconning as in the Hannibal TV series, or...? Both the Hannibal TV series and um, Hannibal Rising. I did not see Hannibal Rising because I read the book and I just, you know, I sometimes prequel stories just don't always hit with me. So I, I didn't really feel a need to, to go for Hannibal Rising as far as watching it. Well, I mean, and that's... And with Hannibal Rising, the problem that you ran into is he... Thomas Harris set out a origin story for Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Then he changed the then he changed it for Hannibal Rising. Well, I remember because I, you know, am essentially somewhat in the middle of reading rereading Hannibal. Uh, but I remember the stuff with Misha and how she was starved and then eaten and then parts of the parts of her were fed to Hannibal. So mm-hmm. can you refresh me on Hannibal Rising as far as how that retconned it? Because if this is this might be one of the one of the horrors earlier retcons since we've had, you know, Halloween 2018 come out. Well, the what the the story for Hannibal Rising. Hannibal is a son of a Lithuanian count. Mm-hmm. During World War II, he Lithuania, Lithuania becomes a battlefield between the Germans and the Russians. Mm-hmm. The you had a um, desert. You had soldiers who deserted. And I want to say they're from Russia, but they might be uh, German. But they catch Hannibal and his and his family in their hunting lodge mm-hmm. because they had left the castle in fear, so they were hiding out in the woods. Thus, they killed the mother and the father and kept the kids hostage. So just Hannibal and his sister. Mm-hmm. Then, of course... It's very Romanov. Romanovs. Yes, pretty, very very much so. Mm-hmm. And then you had the snow come. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they started to starve. And they looked at the uh, available meat. Hannibal was too... stringy? Well, you know, cisgender man, so... Well, no, I mean, it's the whole, you know... <laughs> He was not 
loose, you know, he didn't have that baby fat. Well, exactly, exactly. That's why she would be more appetizing. And I mean, I get that. So... I'm not saying it's right. So she was killed and served in a stew that Mm. kept them sustained for... Mm, rotisserie children. Yes. Yeah. Sweet cheeks. <laughs> hey, I mean, you got more baby fat. That makes everything tastier. I mean, fat. It's not just baby fat. It's all fat. It's what gives things flavor. <laughs> so, he eventually, when the snow runs, they leave him because they survived and they were able to get out. Of course, then the Russians come in, and he's mm-hmm. forced to become an orphan inside his own castle because it was confiscated by the Russian state. And you know, from the lord of the castle to the peasant working, you know, scrubbing the floor. Yeah. And eventually, he's rescued by his uh, an aunt in Paris. Oh yeah, Lady Murasaki. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. And. He goes along on learning how to, you know, as an artist, uh, a surgeon, and then he decides to go out and get revenge on the people who ate his sister, and he ate them. Is it the revenge aspect that's more of the retcon, or what do you, you know, because I don't know if it's necessarily a retcon, but we didn't get to hear, I guess, everything in Hannibal. You know, like the movie version of Hannibal leaves out any mention of Misha. It it does, but while it's in the book. Yeah. Um, Well, of course, in in the the movie version of Hannibal, you know, the ending's wrong too. Oh, we have we'll get we will get there, guys. Y'all y'all know we're talking about that. But um, Hannibal (coughs) is the. I guess the retcon would go into the. The veracity and the the sociopathic, hateful killing spree that he goes on. He is brutal, and his aunt encouraged it. Mm-hmm. And eventually, he had to flee Europe, and he went to the United States. But she started up a psychological practice. True. Uh, you know, I don't. You know, I think the only. Because he was forced to eat part of Misha, you know, to survive that winter. I mean, I feel like obviously that has some sort of bearing. That trauma has some sort of bearing on him. I do understand, you know, him wanting to get back at those who wronged him and Misha by eating them. But then it's not just a revenge motive. He continues to do that. So it's sort of like this trauma that he's kind of, or either he just likes the taste of human flesh. I could be wrong. It's sort of like this trauma that he has to keep reliving all the time. And I wonder if that's to make sure that Misha's memory doesn't completely die out, because that's kind of one of the the things at the end of, of Hannibal, the book, is trying to find a place for Misha, and he thinks that can be in Clarice. But again, that, you know... Well, we'll get there. We will get there as well. I, I would first say, and th- this is where the the TV show kind of did Hannibal wrong. I haven't seen any of those oh, episodes. Oh, it, it was Hannibal. Um, 
his relationship with Graham was pseudo-sexual. That was going to be my question because apparently a lot of people like to ship Hannibal and Will Graham, and I'm like, why? The I do not want to see Anthony Hopkins fuck. Um, oh no, no. Well, this is Mads. You know, Mads. Makes Still, I haven't seen the TV show. If somebody's like oh, Hannibal Will Graham slash fiction. I'm thinking Anthony Hopkins and Will Graham. That's or Anthony Hopkins and uh, what's his face? Ed Norton. And Edward Norton. Yeah, I mean both. But the what occurred between them is more of a the the psychological intimacy that they got into mm-hmm. because Will Graham's. I guess you want to call it superpower, is he got into the head of whoever he was investigating to the point where he became them. Oh, yeah. That's right. It's been a while since I've read and watched Red Dragon. So the trauma of looking after uh, the Minnesota striker, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, if that's the the serial killer, you're watching Graham having to get in the head of a person who, you know, kills, slaughters, mm-hmm. and eats his victims. Hmm. Similar to Hannibal. Yeah. And Hannibal is brought in to... Consult. Consult and keep Graham sane. Mm. Except Hannibal is amused by this whole... Situation, and he likes to play with people. So he pushes Will just close enough to the edge to turn him insane. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, and this actually would go back into the Misha, you know, thing. He is looking for a, re- a replacement sibling. Graham is his. Intellectually equal. Mm-hmm. Psychologically, Graham is a gem. Hey, how do you be him without without not going insane and becoming the serial killer? Like he knows how to push him the right amount. Yes, and when he can't, that's when he betrays Graham, and which of course leads him to. Uh, other practices um, and the verger I know episodes, yeah the vergers are, are involved with Will Graham's character at some point it bothers me because Margot and I we, we never see her in the movie if I remember correctly we did not no she had and, a pretty significant subplot in the book and they were just like fuck that well, right out the window and and you know, Margot being a bodybuilding lesbian, you know, may have been a, a, we can't really go that far. Well, I mean, you know, that's probably not a, that's a very stereotypical and not very tasteful depiction of, of lesbians, but you know, it's like, uh, she's also got a lot of, there are more issues going on there. And I mean, I don't think that she was, she was, um, she was abused by 
by, by Mason. Mason. Yeah, and I think I feel like that's probably why she became a bodybuilder because it's like one of those things when you're assaulted and you're abused for years, you kind of, you know, tend to make yourself look as unappetizing to the opposite sex as possible or develop some sort of technique to fend them off. Correct. And I only saw screenshots of uh, Margot Verger in the Hannibal TV series, and she didn't... No. <laughs> okay, no. Yes, I know. But Catherine Isabel plays Margot Verger, and she is an amazing horror actress. She's oh, done a ton of things. She did a fan- I will say she did a fantastic job, but... The the um, the storyline did not explore that aspect of her. It didn't explore her. It basically used her as a as a gateway over to Mason, hmm. where you know they they kind of fudged the whole you know Mason was purposely trying to seduce Hannibal Mm -hmm. and Hannibal ends up you know well, well, we should actually get there, which is this movie. I know we spent a lot of time talking about the TV series, but actually, you know, it'd be fun to, to do uh, some episodes on the TV series as well, because I've sure. never watched any of them. But, um, well, excellent. But as far as this movie goes, I did see it in the theater back in 2001. My mom took me because I was not 17 yet. And she was, she didn't care. My mom would take me to any R-rated horror movie. You know, she wanted to see them mostly anyway. But I remember there was a big hubbub about this movie. And it was even on, like, the local news how, like, kids were getting kicked out for sneaking into Hannibal. And I'm like, the fuck y'all talking about? It's not that bad. Well, it, it the gore, the it's, gore factor was, for 2000s, was a, it was not the, it was not like, you know, your your typical horror. It was not a slasher flick. Exactly. Flick, excuse me. It was, and I, part of my French, it was a mindfuck flick. flick. Kind of, but I honestly thought it was really romantic the first time I saw it. Because I have problems. <laughs> well, the romance of it, 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 it goes, if we look at the book. I really blame the music. Hans Zimmer, you're bastard. <sighs> In the good way. Oh, I, trust me. The uh, the rendition of uh, Dante's Inferno into an opera was just... Too perfect? Well, I guess this goes into more my experience of Florence, too. Okay. Now, I went into Florence summer 2002. So I have already seen Hannibal. Wow. So, walking across some of the, the locations, like um, the Plaza Republican, Republica, mm-hmm. where the, uh, the gypsy is, you know, is murdered, walking across those streets at 10 o'clock at night, you know, under that, and, and going, wait a second. <laughs> you almost think Jack the Ripper's going to come out, but that wouldn't Pretty make any much. sense because you're not in England. But it was the horror. And it's very interesting to note, and you would completely go out the side of this. In Florence, there was a serial killer. 
Il the Monstro. Il Monstro. Il Monstro. That's actually really? That's actually yes. uh, real life? Okay. Yes. His actual first victim, victims were out in Scandici. Okay. Which, believe it or not, is kind of very, you know, these are, you know, my romping grounds. This is where people are being murdered. Mm-hmm. It's very uncomfortable. And knowing the history of it, how the Italian government kept screwing up. Mm-hmm. Um, the FBI did consult and did provide a, a uh, psychological profile of the killer. And the Italians kept ignoring it. Okay. So now we get Pazzi. Yeah, a Pazzi of the Pazzis. Well, yeah. If you have need to have a conspiracy, you better have a Pazzi. <laughs> exactly. I love that play on words. Also, you know, he's essentially, you know, you get more of him in the book, but he's trying to sort of, he ends up just repeating the sins of his, of his ancestors. He ends up putting greed first rather than, you know, you've already got enough evidence that Dr. Fell is Dr. Lecter. Well, you you have, with the Pazzi, uh, you have to understand the Pazzi itself. They were a ruling family of Florence, and they were decimated because they committed the murder of Giuliano um, de' Medici in the uh, Duomo. Was that an archbishop? Or no. was the archbishop involved? Mm, um, I don't remember quite clearly. Not, it was not there. Uh, the archbishop, I wouldn't go with that being involved. You're, you're, you're thinking England. I guess so. What happened was Lorenzo de Medici, or Lorenzo the Magnificent, um, whose patronage gave birth to such artists as Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, Michelangelo Bonarotti was actually adopted member of the Medici family. Hmm. Uh, Sandro Botticelli. Oh, wow. Was if you look at the Netflix version of uh, the Medici's, was actually a member of the Medici inner circle. Lorenzo built up a a power base of artists, making giving birth to the Renaissance actually in Florence. The Pazzi wanted control because they were the rival banking family. Mm-hmm. They wanted to murder both Lorenzo and Giuliano because they were the head of his families. They struck out and the assassination attempt failed because they only got Giuliano. They killed Giuliano in the church. Yeah, that's kind of not cool. No, it was not. And had they got uh, Lorenzo, they may have gotten away with it. But this now comes into the uh, the trial, the execution of the Botsies. <laughs> they were hung outside of the old pa- of the old palace in Florence. Mm-hmm. Where? Which was also was where we see Ronaldo Pazzi Get end up in this movie, too. So 
the parallels were purpose because they that those are perfect parallels greed the problem that most people don't understand about Hannibal Hannibal does not kill because Hannibal kills for fun Hannibal kills out of sense of justice it's like Dexter or rather Dexter's like Hannibal I would agree um you have Verger so vain so so captivated by his own power made to cut off his face and feed it to his dogs true you have the gypsy who was killed not because well the gypsy was killed because he you know he attacked mm-hmm. it was self defense mm-hmm. Patsy was killed for his betrayal of of Hannibal, but mostly because he was a corrupt cop who failed Florence. So that's true. Like his ancestor, whose greed, you know, and lust for power overtook him, he was sacrificed in the same way. Now you look at our friends in the FBI, and we can go right into that. I mean, you have Claire. Uh, Clary Starley. She was a rising star mm-hmm. because of that. And the only thing I dislike is they were attacked her for her sex. It was not, I don't think it was for her sex. I think it was more for her inexperience and maybe like her talent at that being so new that she was able to kind of. Well, she was so lector. She was so talented and capture gum. Well, it, it was she was the only one that captivated Lecter. Yeah, Lecter looked at her and saw who she was. Hey, when you look at the the young lady who saves the lambs, mm-hmm. are you looking at a person who is someone who is easy to manipulate? Or who's going to do the right thing, even at the cost of her own career, her own safety, her own well-being. Yeah. That captivated him because that was... He wanted to corrupt that. He wanted to destroy that. Yeah, and he that is what he enjoys. But, you know, as far... But he far, respected it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as this movie goes, we pretty much open up on... Oh, it's probably, I think in the book it's been seven years, but since we actually, in movie time, it's been 10 years since Silence of the Lambs, since this came out in 2001, you know, and Clarice is being sent on this drug bust, which is kind of crazy because she's obviously great at, you know, she's good at profiling people. I mean, like, I don't know how good she is at profiling people when, like, Dr. Lecter's not around, but she caught James Gum. So, I mean, you would think that she'd be in behavioral science at this well, point. Well, I wouldn't say she caught James Gunn. She, she stumbled sent, into she it. She was sent to James Gunn to be yeah. sacrificed. That is also that is also a good point. That's also the kind of that weird dynamic that, that Hannibal and Clarice have in these movies. In the book? Hmm. I don't know. 
I need to reread Silence of the Lambs. But so she's like sent on this this drug bust and, you know, she doesn't cock it up, but somebody cocks it up. And it's at this fish market where they're cooking meth. It's like apparently a front for a meth lab. (laughs) And I had to ask a friend, like, can fish overpower the smell of meth, cooking meth? And she's like, probably not. But I guess it depends on how many fish there are. Well, let us put it this way. Can fish overpower the, the power of anything? <clears throat> hmm. Three-day-old fish. Three-day-old fish? Hmm. Seems like a lot of this fish was fresh. I'm reading way too much into that. But. But, yeah, there's this shootout, you know, mm-hmm. that gets all fucked up. And what one of the things that I remember specifically is how quickly it takes place in the book. Because the shootout is still, like... Like, the shootout happens in the span of time that the Macarena is playing, and I'm saying that because the Macarena is specifically mentioned in the book. It's still playing by the time everybody's fucking dead. Yeah. And what it was, you know, Clarice originally had arrested... Uh, Ivelda before. Ivelda before. Yes, head of she, this meth empire. She knows, one, she's HIV positive. She knows that she is covered in needles. Yeah, in her hair. And she also knows that she will not go down easy. Nope. And while she is uh, is uh, briefing the DEA on this, they run into her, of course. You find her holding a baby with an Uzi. Mm-hmm. Starling is shot. Yep. And she kills Velda at the same time. The yeah. first thing, you know, she just had her ears shot off. Yeah. And the first thing she does is... Make sure the that the baby's okay, washes the blood off of him. Exactly. But because the only visual that they had was from the TV camera above, because some, you know, le- you know leaked it to the press. Mm-hmm. And we get to hear it's, well, it's at least in the book, the Tattler is mentioned from Mm -hmm. Red Dragon. Oh, yeah. Good times. And now Clarice Starling is the angel of death because somehow she's responsible for five people dying. Now, one of them being John Brigham, who is kind of like a, a, was a love interest, but also sort of a replacement for her father because she was projecting. Well, she projects everywhere. We all do. But yes, you know, I mean, she projects on Jack Crawford. Jack Crawford's another father substitute for her. And, you know, I wonder to like, like the negative aspects of her father, that would be Paul Krendler. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, if Hannibal figures in there somewhere, like, I don't think really, I, honestly, I can't really see a lot of, I can't really see a lot of her father in him. No. And Yes. I would say her her attempt to um, make any type of fatherly uh, associations with her uh, her her uh, with Hannibal fails because of Hannibal himself. He's not he's not fatherlike. No, absolutely not. Uh, so, anyway, I love the fact that I just got the wrap-up signal. It feels like we've barely started talking about this movie. It's going to be a long episode, guys. 
We're having this amazing brunch cast right now. We've got Tuscan salami. We have this wonderful Chianti from 2014, which thank you again for bringing Moki. You're welcome. Delicious smoked Gouda and also some entertaining crackers. They're actually doing songs and dances for us right now. So very, very much lives up to their name. But uh, so I guess we should get actually back on track for the movie. So after this cocked up shootout, you know, Clarice is kind of, you know, Clarice wasn't already maybe, you know, I guess everybody was kind of like, yeah, I guess she's fine at the FBI, but now she's basically poison. Like she's deplatformed in a half. Yeah. You've been kicked off Twitter. So uh, at what point does she come back into actually looking for Lecter? Well, it actually is Jack Crawford that rescues her. And again, the father complex. And what what happened with with Starling is she's put on, she's never assigned to anyone. She is an agent at large. So any department can use her whenever they want. Mm -hmm. Crawford brings her back because Hannibal, who, of course, subscribes to the Tadler, even in Florence. Sure, uh, why not? (laughs) Saw... What happened and wrote her a letter that was beautiful by the way oh it was a beautiful letter mm-hmm. and it was pure Hannibal Lecter yep it mocked her it stoked her anger but also gave her comfort so is that why she got put back on yeah because okay. because Lecter had some sort of contact it's the first sort of like I guess well, uh, resurfacing type, he, we've only seen only contact you ever have between Lecter is with Starling yeah he is even though he's free he is obsessed with her that's true because it's she wasn't corruptible and now she's kind of she's taking a very public fall in the FBI mm-hmm. and it's sort of like because she is incorruptible mm-hmm. the corrupt figures in the FBI are presenting her and I, I use you know the euthanism correctly like a lamb to the slaughter yeah a scapegoat escape lamb she is to take the fall but it's the justice of it and that's the beauty of the whole Hannibal book and movie. Justice. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to for justice? And that is the fight that Clarice has, is the FBI is no longer just. No. The Department of Justice is no longer just. They are corrupt. That's true. Okay. So... Now you have Verger, who bought off the Department of Justice. Yeah, paid five hundred thousand dollars. Was gonna pay five. Like he paid two hundred and fifty grand for Lecter's mask, and then it was gonna be arranged so that he's gonna pay five hundred thousand dollars to Krenler. And I'm like, you have so much money, and you cannot afford a face transplant. Well, he had no muscle. Oh. I don't know. Maybe just get a mask. I mean, just like get a really good. Just can you fix some of that? It. It's like 
the fact that he had immunity for his pedophilic ways, mm-hmm. and yet he was bringing in inner city orphan oh, so type gross. kids I know. to entertain him. But they couldn't do anything because he had immunity for it. Yeah. That was disgusting in itself of how how little of the um, justice was actually there. Yeah, also, I feel like like a, the movie's portrayal of Verger, he's not enough of a villain. You know, because we don't, you know, is, well, some of the child molestation... Gary Oldman... Gary Oldman, yes, is a villain. We know that. <laughs> he, that's kind of what he does. He played a great Verger, but they never, they never explored Verger's character. No, uh, we never. Well, it's just it feels like I understand that the movie has time constraints to work around. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think they probably should have left in uh, some of the, you know, some of his, some of his pedophilic inclinations more so instead of really just kind of you know dancing around them a little bit do anything they for a chocolate s- bar they made him sympathetic not necessarily sympathetic but I just didn't feel like he was well, he an a- adversary that would be on Hannibal Lecter's level except with having unlimited resources he had a a virtuous agenda to kill Hannibal. And feed him to wild hogs. Yes. You know, much like, because, well, much, you know, much like in, it's like because he cut off his own face and fed them to his dogs. So. I'm going to feed you to my pigs. Right. Exactly. You know, Uh, also fun fact about that, you know, those wild boars that were in the, that, that scene at the barn. What? There were like five of them, I think. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Those wild boars auditioned out of 6,000 hogs. <laughs> 6,000. And look at me confuse boars and hogs. I know they're not the same, but I'm not a pig farmer. Well, they're all pigs. I'm a wild pig! And if anybody gets that reference, you're old. <laughs> it's from Rocco's Modern Life. But Anyway, we need the, to get back on, on, on the plot. Yeah, so here's where the diversion happens at from the book in the movie, which actually goes into the justice. When Hannibal is presented to the, to the pigs, first, it is not, um, I can't think of his name at the moment. Uh, Carlo? Carlo. Yeah. Uh, Carlo. Carlo One of the, the Sardinians? Not the Sardinian. Um, the filmmaker? The nurse. Cordell. Cordell. Yeah. It is not Cordell that fed Verger to the to the uh, the pigs. No. Mm-mm. It was Margot. Yeah, that's the thing. That was like, fuck. Margot's not in the movie, and it sucks. After taking what she needed from Verger. Can we just talk about that? Because you know what? I was reading the end of Hannibal earlier, and I kept looking for the part where it explicitly states that she sodomizes him with a cattle prod in order to make him ejaculate so she can get a sperm and knock up her lesbian partner, Judy, so then they can be the heirs to the Verger fortune. You know what? Fucking Thomas Harris just is like, 
he kind of so very so very very lightly implies it that you real like well, I could I was like it's not in the fucking text where's the part where she shoves it up his ass so that's not in there no but she does that and I'm she like, definitely does that and then, why didn't we put this in the movie and then she takes this giant eel that's in Mason's aquarium and Basically, it shoves it down his throat. It bites his tongue, and he drowns on an eel. And then he's thrown to the pigs. Boom. You're done. And that is a much better death than Cordell just be like, especially that Cordell is the same pedophilic, you know, individual that he is. I know, and that's not brought up in the movie no. because it's that's movie Cordell, but but Cordell's still a pedophile. And that that that's kind of the. Cordell cannot be Cordell because Mason doesn't want him to do that on his watch. Only Mason gets to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Mason can't do it because no. I bet that thing looks like a Cheeto. Because, like, you know, like, because it's, I'm just saying, because, like, Lecter broke his neck and then basically all of his limbs just, you know, he's a quadriplegic and the only thing that he can really use is his hand. But I bet that dick looks like a fucking Cheeto. Like a shriveled up wet Cheeto. No comment. Why is everybody quiet? <laughs> There's no comment there. <laughs> Just saying. The same thing as you calling Spielberg an incel. When did I do that? Did I call Spielberg an incel? Are you sure? I, pro- I know I called somebody an incel, but I don't think it was Spielberg. I think it was Spielberg. When? Jaws. Why? You tell me. I don't know. (laughs) I just black out when I do these shows. Moving on. (laughs) Mogi's like slowly starting to realize like, oh, this was a mistake. (laughs) But. But no, I feel like it's criminal that Margo was not in the movie. It was. I mean, it, it was. She's very interesting. She was. Her revenge was righteous. Yes. Thus, you run into the point where you have Clarice. She releases Hannibal. Hannibal then takes her to, you know, to, you know, he rescues her because, of course, she gets knocked out. True. Now you get into the part of... Now we get into the weird shit where the book and the movie pretty much just diverge completely. (laughs) And this is a big argument a lot, among a lot of people who have seen both or have read the book. I, you know, I was on Goodreads earlier, oh, and the lot, lots of people on Goodreads are like, "Man, I can't believe they changed the ending of the book for the movie." I'm like, "Oh, I mean, I, to be honest, the idea that Hannibal cut off his hand—that's so romantic. Her. That's and, why this is a romance." But it was not. It was not Hannibal. I mean, that, 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 that. It was Handable. I'll hand it to you on that one. <laughs> Get a rim shot in there. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's Chris's fault. But to sacrifice his himself is not Hannibal. True. Hannibal is the is the one that doesn't change. Yeah, that is true. It's 
Clarice who has to change and her change is actually the the one that is the understanding of justice mm-hmm. and that is what kills everything she looks at Bremer Bremer? Crendler? Uh, Crendler, Crendler, thank you um, played by Ray Liotta all my life I wanted to be an appetizer uh, he was definitely an appetizer mm. um, the fact that she as his brains are being fried you know fried mm. sees the fact that he does not just represent a minority of the Justice Department and the FBI. He represents all of it. Mm-hmm. She, there is no justice anymore. There's, it's all corrupt. Yeah. And for her to accept that for the movie, I'm going to turn you into the FBI because that's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. even knowing that the FBI will not respect him as the way he should be. She was willing to do that because it's the right thing to do. The right thing and justice are not the same thing. Yeah. So when they both eat Paul... Did Starling eat him? Yes. I did not realize that. I mean, in the book, yes. Yes, in the book. Not in the movie. Not in the movie. No. Um, the, the, the... Also, that scene made me extremely hungry. <laughs> I'm sorry, it did. It's like watching those brains fry up in that like nice little butter saute. It was like... Uh, I was thinking a side of Kuru, everyone. <laughs> I mean, Mad Cow. I mean, even with the... And sliders, you know. Eh, I mean, you are what you eat. Well, yeah. Well, that's why Hannibal fed himself, you know, had, fed Paul to Paul. Well, Paul needed brains, so feed him your brains. Yeah. Your own brains. But the the thing that you look at with that very act is it was there was her baptism her communion it was it was the change of seeing false justice for justice the thing is with like book clarice before that scene happens with krenler she's already been drugged and going through weird therapy hypnosis mm-hmm. sessions with Lecter mm-hmm. for a while and it's that's kind of I don't I, you know I can't really it's one of those things where you can't pick a favorite child uh, I understand what they're trying to do in the book you know Clarice essentially has to evolve past the issue with her father you know and there's that point where Lecter actually sets his bones on the bed you know, and kind of leaves Clarice to, you know, he says, take what you need from this room. And she comes out empty handed after she realizes that that is just a pile of bones and that the memory of her father lives in her mind, (laughs) you know, and kind of helps her to move on from that. You know, 
the same time, I'm also like, I understand that that's how Clarice is evolving. And, you know, if she decides like, it's more just to let, to, to like, uh, for Dr. Lecter to live, to escape, to mm-hmm. be free, that's fine. I think it's, it's more palatable for movie audiences to see movie Clarice doing the right thing because it's a little bit easier to have those black and white representations on screen rather than in a book. Here's, here's, here's the uh, throwaway. Did she do the right thing? Well, she's still letting him. She's still letting him go in the end of the movie. No, she doesn't let him go. She tries, but no, no. Well, in the movie, yes. I mean, she tries to capture him, but by handcuffing herself to him. In the book, she joins him. Well, yes. Which one's the right thing? That's. You know, that's the hard part, because. Um, I think that there are a lot of fans of both Hannibal and Clarice that really want to see them end up being a couple, and that's what Hannibal, the that's what the book gives them. I was not a fan of how they ended up, just because she was it's too forced. It was too forced. It didn't feel like it didn't feel natural enough. The only time it felt more natural was close to the end where I where they would they consummate their relationship I would assume in front of the fire uh, and then Clarice is remembering uh, Hannibal Lecter asking Catherine Martin from Silence of the Lambs if she breastfed her daughter mm-hmm. and then she asks Hannibal if he was breastfed and if he ever felt that he had to give up to give up the breast to Misha and you know, he says that uh, if I did, I did so gladly. And then she exposes herself and says that this is, you know, this is a breast you will never have to give up and offers himself offers herself to him. That's the only point where it felt more real because it was kind of like a callback. And she was, although in a really like in a really kind of silly way, she's trying to use the whole uh, like some sort of Freudian argument against him. Like it's Hannibal Lecter. Well, it. It's going back at him for what he's doing to her. That too. And so it's like, it does feel like it's more equal playing ground, but um, I just wish that she'd had a little bit more agency in Mm -hmm. deciding to, because, you know, it felt like at the end it was a little forced, you know? And in the movie, it's like, at least that Clarice is a consistent character, the way she acts. It's not a total 180 at the end. I, I wouldn't disagree with you on that. Yeah. But it's the the book ending. I think is a better ending. Except it should have been a lot longer progression. You can't just flip that overnight. Because how do you go from killing and eating people is wrong to? Oh yeah, I'll um, have some brains. Pass brains. Side of uh, sh- uh, sweetbreads, please. Right. Yeah. Pour another bit of Chianti in there. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. It, but it shows the power that Lecter had. It was, he was, he was seduction. He was a seductive aspect of justice. But real talk, we need to talk about movie Hannibal when it comes to like seduction. Cause it's like, it's Anthony Hopkins. And then when he comes to the U S and he's not wearing those Italian suits, he looks like he's cotton Hill. <laughs> like, except he still has his knees. 
You know, when he's like following Clarice around with the with the carousel scene, dude, for real. Like he looks like Cotton Hill, except except he still got his knees. He didn't get them shot off in the war. The um, the phone the phone calls, you know, conversation was creepy in every sense. Hmm. Yeah, you know, while she's on the uh, the carousel, you know, him. You know, Almost touching her, her hair. Yeah. Almost touching her beautiful doll's hair. It's so straight. It's just like... You... No. 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 <laughs> I thought it was more... I thought it was easier to get an idea of, like, some sort of attraction between them than in the book, though. Because it just... Well, in the book, he's... he's well, he's drugging her. her. Yeah, well, he's, he's sniffing her car. Oh yeah, that is true. I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, that was one. I think that was a that might have been a deleted scene where he breaks into her car and then like licks her or sniffs her steering wheel. He licks the steering wheel. Is that his way of tossing salad? Like, is that like first base? I'm just saying, it's like she's gonna put her hands on there and she's gonna be like, "Oh God, what is all over this?" And he leaves his sunglasses there. Yeah. She, the two of them, unfairly, have been portrayed. I think the better portrayal would have been the movie version, mm. with him taking her with her him and right. exposing her to other ideas. She would about. She is ready to leave the FBI. She's done with them. Yeah, they've been dicks to her. So it's not like you're going anywhere. Paul Krenler just wants you to suck his dick anyway. Exactly. He's so broy. And all he wants from her is that corn pone country pussy. What he said it. I know, but it was he. It was cornbread country cunt in the book. Yes, I was to gonna, be fair. To be fair, hey, don't give him you know the, the the, his you know don't give him. A, I'm not giving him credit. <laughs> he he is a crass individual. You look at Hannibal's idea of rescuing Starling from what she is. Mm-hmm. He's exposing her to a new. And also trying to stoke the fire of that potential. And I don't know. I mean, this is the biggest problem I have always had with the whole Hannibal Starling, you know, shipping. Did he really want her or did he want her mind? He wanted her mind so there could be a place for Misha. So it's like you also want to fuck your sister that you ate. Not to be crass about it, but that's kind of what we're doing here. All right, Freud. Take it. Clarice <laughs> has got a lot of daddy issues, so. And he's got a lot of sister issues. Yeah. I mean, they work out very well. They're very much opposite ends of the spectrum, you Incestuous know. Incestuous to the end. Yeah. 
It's just like, uh, I'm fine with them being a couple. I just want to see, like, a normal progression of that happening. Like, uh, sort of, like, mutual respect that eventually blossoms into something that's more. that's the biggest problem. They have respect for each other. They actually respected each other. Yeah. It just... Sterling never saw him sexually. Because he looks like Cotton Hill. No, I mean... It, it, well, it's like it doesn't... Like, she's not doing much better. She, like, in this movie, she looks like she came out of a Land's End catalog. Jesus Christ. Or Coldwater Creek. That's what That's what that looks like. She's where, she has so much chambray in her wardrobe. Dude. I'm, I'm sorry, but... The fact that you couldn't get Jodie Foster back was the killer of this movie. The reason Jodie Foster didn't want to be back is because she didn't like the ending of the book, and then they changed it, and then she was like, nah, peace. And so then they had to go and get a different actress. It, that was, it would have been more, especially with her presence, The other actors didn't have it. Julianne Moore. I like Julianne Moore in this role. I understand it's not the same as Jodie Foster. She didn't have that presence. I felt like she was like an older, wiser starling. Uh, It was just. A lot of women changed their hair color. I know that was a little weird, but actually. Would you like to hear some of the actresses that were up for the role of Clarice in this? Let's hear this. This is very entertaining. <clears throat> Obviously, Jillian Anderson, but then her contract was like, no, because you're not allowed to play a different FBI agent in a different property. And then she goes into the Hannibal TV series playing Clarice Starling. What? I mean, I'm sorry. The, the confidant of Hannibal who learned about Hannibal's eating and That's what Jillian Anderson's doing in that TV series? What the fuck? Well, and I then they the X-Files off, is over. I'm, and I'm they, learning so much today. And then they run off to Florence together. I need to watch this TV series. Okay. Movie, so Movie night in my place. Okay. So other people that were in the running. Jennifer Aniston. I'm just... How about we do, like, a, a word association thing? This will be very appropriate to the episode. I'm going to say an actress's name, and you say the first thing that comes to mind. Say yes. Okay. Say yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's see. Meg Ryan. You've got mail. <laughs> Denise, Denise Richards. Christmas comes once a year. <laughs> oh... Sandra Bullock. Oh, God, I can't do that one. No, no, no. <laughs> Miss Congeniality, no. Jennifer Connelly. I could see I that. I could definitely see that. I mean, I would be okay with that. She did well in Rocketeer. Yeah, she's she's a good actress. I like her. Uh, Angelina Jolie. <laughs> Clarice, have you gotten some work done? Your lips look a little bit fuller. I've been tomb raiding. <laughs> they have Botox in tombs? Yes. Right? Gwyneth Paltrow. No. No. Yeah, no. 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 Sarah Jessica Parker. With her new nose? 
<laughs> when did she get a new one? Still looks like the old one. Her surgeon needs to be fired. Well, you've seen L.A. Story, right? Uh-uh. Oh, look at the L.A. Story. She had her old nose. All right. Kate Blanchett. Too tall, I feel. Gladriel mm. Starling. Yeah, yeah. Cannot do... Uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus. I guess if we want to make this a comedy. Oh yeah, no, no, no. All right, uh, Winona Ryder. Well, you got enough crazy right there. <sighs> God, that would not have worked. Brooke Shields. I got one more for you after this. I'm just trying to think about the Blue Lagoon. You know. All right. Final one. This is also an actress who was up for the role of let's rem- let's let's remind everybody at home. Clarice Starling, who is in Silence of the Lambs, and this is for her role in Hannibal. You ready? Lucy Liu. You okay? I'm kind of speechless at that. That's basically like Kristen Kroyek playing Chun Li. It's just the role. It's just reversed. Because Lucy Liu plays a good country girl. <sighs> Look, guys, I know we're all for representation, but Lucy Liu as Clarice Starling does not work after you've already had one movie with a Clarice in it. So I'll spare you. I'll spare you. The, you know. There isn't there. There are plenty of more actresses on this list. I'm going to spare you the pain. Well, I mean, of all those, one, Kate Blanche could played it well, but she was just coming off the Lord of Rings. Yeah, I feel like Jennifer Connelly would have been my choice among those actresses. I, I don't disagree with that. She, she seems like she show. would have been a grown-up version of Jodie Foster's Clarice. Except she still had the you need to dye her hair. She's a brunette. Jennifer Connelly? She's... No, nah, I remember seeing her in Dark Water. She's brunette. I think I she's naturally a brunette. I Rock, Rocketeer with her being raven-haired. But... Black and brown are very close shades. It's not that much of a stretch. I just think that... You're telling this is an artist? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm going to offend you. Very offended. Yeah. No, but I think she'd probably be the closest. I I think in candor, she probably would have been. Yeah. I mean, she had the right look, but that, you know, whatever look, whatever changes they needed to make to her look, they could have done that. Um, I still like Julianne more. The, just the red hair is off-putting, but I'm, you know. It, there was something more off-putting in her. Her accent was so forced. Yeah. It, it kind of... It was kind of like... Um, her accent was basically the way that Hannibal Lecter was making fun of Clarice. Yeah. And talking about Chianti in the West Virginian accent in the first movie. So... But yeah, so we do have to actually wrap it up at this point since we've been talking for like over an hour. Wow. I know. It seems like that just flew by, right? It does. <laughs> Although there is one thing that I found on the trivia that was really interesting. And let's see, where was this? It 
was something about how oh this movie was publicized as having the highest body count in a movie. And I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? Well, you got the five. I've seen higher body counts in literally any other movie except Hannibal. I don't know. Not that many people are dying. Potsy, the Gypsy. Uh, I count eleven. How are you kidding? Oh, okay. The other people that died at the beginning. I don't even count them. Well, you. I feel like it only counts in, if you have like, a good scene. Yeah, true. Kremler. True. But still, that's not even that many. No. But then again, you know, it was the 2000s. I know. Well, we weren't in edgelord territory. Jesus Christ. We weren't <laughs> in like, fucking Black Christmas and my bloody Valentine doing all that goddamn garbage. Nope. No. But yeah. No. That's uh, pretty much kind of, I guess that would be Hannibal. Like, basically, Hannibal comes back. Mason Verger tries to capture him. He's bad at it. And he gets his comeuppance. And it's kind of like anticlimactic, but, you know, I feel like the book did a better job of it, you know? Mm -hmm. That's a better death scene. <sighs> but, I mean, I'd still recommend seeing it because oh, it's, it's, it's beautifully very, shot. The scenes of Florence, you'll make me homesick. Yeah. I mean... The movie itself is beautifully shot, even when they're doing the scenes here in the United States. Uh, Ridley Scott, of course, absolutely knows what he's doing. He's more than a competent filmmaker. But, you know, I guess to get the story, I guess go read the book also just to get the full story and then kind of make the decision on, you know, on your own. Do you have anything you want to add for this movie before we end it all? Wow, that sounded really dramatic. Sorry. Uh, if we're going to end it all. Um... Before we end the show for good, this is the last episode. <laughs> Don't say that. No, I know. Um, look at, look at all of it. If you want to go, look at the TV show, especially the TV show, because the TV show strips away all the niceties of the movies, the gore, overly gored TV show. Okay. And. You get more of a sense of the duplicity of Hannibal. This is true. Okay. Well, before we depart for today, if anybody wants to share their opinions on Hannibal or any other, you know, uh, properties of Thomas Harris in relation to Hannibal Lecter, you can always tweet at us on Twitter at ChibiJeebies, and we're on Instagram at ChibiJeebies. Facebook, just search for Sheebie-Jeebies. I see this every goddamn week. And then if you want to send us an email, you can send us one at Sheebie-Jeebies at Outlook.com. So please continue to uh, follow us on social media. If you could leave us a review on iTunes, even if it's a shitty review, I'll take it. Just, you know, please, somebody let me know that you know you're actually listening out there. I know I'm just not talking into the void. I know there are people that actually listen. You're just far and few between. Uh, but until next time... We'll toast with a nice glass of Chianti. Mm -hmm.